Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Praise God. So we're going to look to Ephesians chapter 4. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4. First of all, let us pray. Our heavenly, thank you. Our heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy written word. And we know that we can trust our lives to its provisions. We know, dear Father God, that your word is alive. It's life-giving. It's full of power and might. And we know, dear Father God, it's piercing. And it pierces even our hearts to cut away that which is displeasing to you, to cause us to be transformed and changed in such a way that we're molded into the very image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this night we look to you and we call upon the ministry of your Spirit and say, Quicken thou us according unto your holy written word. Change us this night from glory unto glory, that we may rise up and climb the heights, dear Father God, in thee. And show forth your character and your conduct through our lives and others around us would see and they would know of a truth that we belong to you. Now we thank you, dear Father God, for these blessed truths. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the truth of your word in the power of the Spirit. That our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 17. See, we're talking about change, and we've been saying that change is not going to occur unless we begin to cry out from the heart, humbling ourselves before God, seeking His face, and praying. Change does not occur by going to sleep at night and waking up another day, thinking that during the night, a process took place, and I grew up more in God. Now, that may be true in the physical sense, but it's not going to be true in the spiritual sense. We are not going to change one iota unless we put forth some effort and energy to change for ourselves. Unless we do that. If we don't do it, we are not going to change. You can know about the love walk. You can know the Greek words for love. You can quote them forward and backward and all that. But if you don't do anything about experiencing reality in the love of God, you'll say the same old way. Did you know that? Even though you've been born again, washed in the blood. If we have character flaws and bad habits in our lives, if we don't do anything to change, we'll never change. How many of you know that? How many of you know that that is true? If you have a problem in your life, a difficulty in your life, and let's just be blunt, if you have a sin in your life that we've not dealt with, you've not dealt with, I've not dealt with, it's not going to just go away. It's not going to just go away. No, we've got to do something about it. And for the most part, we want to say, well, now, God, you do something. Father God, you do something about it. And we want some magical wand, somebody to find that we could wave a magical wand over top of our heads and then all of a sudden, thank God, I'm now changed. It doesn't work that way. It will never work that way. It requires diligence on the part of the believer. Otherwise, we will not change. Now, here's the reason why. Look at verse 17. This is from the Amplified Bible. So if you're in a King James or another version, just follow you know, along as you, closely as you can. So this I say and solemnly testify in the name of the Lord as in His presence that you must no longer live as the heathen, the Gentiles, do in their perverseness, in the folly, vanity, and emptiness of their souls, and the 
futility of their minds. Their moral understanding is darkened, and their reasoning is beclouded. They are alienated, estranged, self-banished from the life of God, with no share in it. This is because of the ignorance or the want of knowledge and perception, the willful blindness that is deep-seated in them due to their hardness of heart, to the insensitiveness of their moral nature. In their spiritual apathy, they have become callous and past feeling and reckless and have abandoned themselves a prey to unbridled sensuality, eager and greedy to indulge in every form of impurity that their depraved desires may suggest and demand. Now, remember, we said something very important. We're going to continue, but for a moment, let's comment. Concerning our lives, human beings are creatures of habit. We've been taught to live a certain way. We've been dictated to by the spirit that he's referring to that is now in those who are outside of Christ. And because of being alienated from God, this spirit, this unregenerate heart taught us to desire certain things, to act certain ways. And is responsible for the most part for our character, our conduct, our demeanor, our makeup. The flesh that we live in is in a fallen state. The mind that we possess has been beclouded and darkened. We're using only a portion of our brain because of the fall. We're flooded with darkness, groping about. Being led by our sensual desires, physical passions, emotional desires. And all those things seem to be real to us. And unless something happens to our lives to change us, we think that this course that we're on is okay. Everything is fine with us. Well, because we are creatures of habit, even though we dealt with the teacher problem... The one on the inside, you know, that man on the inside that taught us to do wrong, he's been kicked out. He's removed. He is gone. No longer there. We have a new man. We're a new man in Christ. The Spirit of the living God, the life and the nature of God is in us on the inside. We have a new teacher now. The Spirit of God has come to us to teach us. But here's the problem. I've been called Bill for 38 years. If I start walking down the street and someone, refer, and someone tells me, your name is now Mike or John or Joe, I wouldn't respond too quickly. If someone told me from this day forward, you are now to be called John. And I say, okay, I'll respond to John from now on. I start walking down the street and someone starts hollering out John. I wouldn't be used to that, would I? See, that's what I'm talking about. Taught us to do wrong... And we're creatures of habit. We do wrong. And just unconsciously, we just go ahead and continue doing those things. Because we've been taught to do those things. That's the way we do it. Now that the new teacher has come in to teach us to do right things, it is not an easy transition. Transformation is not automatic. It's not waving a magical wand. It does not take place magically. Automatically. It requires diligence on the part of the individual. Because we're creatures of habit, and by habit, we act that way. Our flesh sides with it, our emotional desires and passions side with it, and seemingly it's right. 
We have got to do something in order to change. If we don't do our part, then we're not going to change. We must take our place. We must do our part. And we must have a yearning desire from within to experience change, beloved. Otherwise, we'll remain carnal Christians throughout the length of our days on this earth. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and said, I can't speak unto you as spiritual people. I can't speak unto you as mature Christians. As long as there's envy, strife, and division among you, are you not carnal and act as babes? See, what's he saying to them? There are certain character flaws that you have. You're not walking in the agape love of God. You've not developed. You're allowing your emotions to control your life and your physical lusts. You're given the strife and debate and all these different things. He says, you're not, you're not spiritual. You're carnal. You're as babes in Christ. And you shouldn't be babes. You're being led by your emotional desires. You're being led by your physical desires. You're not spiritual. See, it doesn't automatically happen. It didn't automatically happen to them, and it won't automatically happen to you or me or anybody else. It requires diligence on the part of the believer. Now, let's read on and see what he says. But you did not so learn Christ, assuming that you have really heard Him and been taught by Him, as all truth is in Jesus, embodied and personified in Him. Strip yourselves. See, this is something we do. Do you see why I put the emphasis on us? God did His part and recreated our spirit. But He'll not move into our lives and get anything else out of our lives without our invitation. We have got to desire change. We have got to want change. We want to be refined. We have to want to be refined. We have to cry out for, to be purified, sanctified, set apart. Developing new spiritual habits in our lives. And beloved, as I said and will continue to say, without pain there is no gain. It's not going to be an easy thing to do to look into the mirror of God's Word because we'll see how God wants us to be and we'll see how we should be. Then we'll recognize and realize how we are and it's not easy to face that all the time. And that's why the chastening of the Lord doesn't always appear to be something that's great, but it, it is in the end. If we mean business with God and we want to decrease that He may increase, it's going to, call, it's going to take self-denial. We are going to have to change and that's going to hurt because our physical and emotional makeup doesn't want anything to do with it. It must be a desire within the heart. A cry from within, deep from within. So strip yourselves of your former nature. In other words, the teaching that was given you by the unregenerate spirit dominated by the forces of darkness. Strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off and discard your old unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion. See, we're deluded so many times into thinking that these things are the things that we really want. These things are the things that we really like. These things are the things that we really enjoy. 
Hebrews talks about the pleasure of sin that Moses turned his back on. He refused to, to experience and enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. It wasn't a, a fun thing that he did either. What he had to do caused much pain in his life. But still he chose to side with what is good, what is wholesome, what is healthy, because it was his desire to please God and not himself. He didn't choose to flow with his emotional lusts and desires. He could have had wealth, fame, fortune, prestige, and everything that goes with it. But what did he choose to have? A wilderness full of rebellious people, murmuring and complaining and everything else. God made him a leader. But you see... He had all the complaints coming his way. So he made a decision. I'm not going to live that kind of a lifestyle. I want this kind of a lifestyle, no matter what it entails or involves, because I want to serve God, and I want more of Him in my life. So it's up to us to make right choices and right decisions and put off from ourselves this former nature and discard the unrenewed self and be constantly renewed or changed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude and put on the new nature, the regenerate self created in God's image, God-like and true righteousness and holiness. Let's make a comment here before we go any further. You will notice that this old man taught us to do things that were wrong and he is saying strip off those things that are wrong and put on things that are right. Whenever we make a decision to flow with and follow the things of God and put off from ourselves the things, let's say, that are displeasing to Him, that make us unattractive to Him and to others, as far as in our character, our demeanor and all that. Whenever we choose to do that, there is an emptiness or there is a void in our lives because there's something that was there that did something in our lives that we depended on. If it was uncontrolled anger, we responded in a certain particular way and did certain things. That was just part of us, part of our makeup. That's what we did. That's the way we responded. If we believe that we must deal with that now in our lives and we rid ourselves of that, and I'll explain that a little bit more later on, then there's like an emptiness or a void there that needs to be filled. We strip ourselves of one thing if we don't fill ourselves with something else to take its place as a substitute, which is positive, strip the negative, put in the positive, that emptiness or that void is still there. What happens? It will not be very long before we slip back into doing the same thing once again. You know, that's why when there's difficulties in relationships with people, finally people get to the point and say, you can never change, you'll never change. And you'll say, yes, I will, I will change. And they'll say, no, you won't because I've seen you and you're not going to change. And then you sit down with, your, with yourself and say, you know, I've tried to change. I've tried to change. I've tried to stop doing this or whatever. And I've been unsuccessful. And I guess they're right. I guess I'm just not going to change. And sometimes you get down on yourself and frustrated with yourself. And you think that you're just not capable of, of experiencing change in your life. Some to the point that they don't even want to live anymore. Did you know that? Well, see, the problem is we have to be taught. We have to know what to do. We just can't rid ourselves of, of, of these things and, and think that we're going to be living 
let's say, productive lives with all this emptiness and all these voids in our lives. It's not going to happen. You don't just strip something off and leave it that way. You've got to put something on to replace it. Do you see that? That's what we're talking about here tonight. That's what change is all about. You get rid of the old habit you put, and you develop a new habit, a good one. The negative is out, the positive is in, according to God's holy written word. And that's what we need to be doing, beloved, on a day-by-day basis. So he says here, put off the old, be constantly changed and renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new. In verse 25, therefore rejecting all falsity and done now with it, let everyone express the truth with his neighbor, for we are all parts of one body, members of one another. When angry, do not sin. Do not ever let your wrath, exasperation, your fury and indignation... Last until the sun goes down. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. Let the thief steal no more, but rather let him be industrious. Notice, stop stealing, become industrious. Not stop stealing, be lazy, and mooch off everybody you can find. Come on, amen or owe me. I had one, we had one tell us that, you know, you're responsible, you're the church, you're responsible to, to feed me. We need, you know, you're supposed to give us money, what kind of a Christian are you? And we start, you know, we start giving and helping out people with food certificates and all that sort of thing. And this fellow just kept going on, come back to the church. You know, he had it all figured out up here. He knows the Bible. You've got to help me, you're Christian people. You're not going to let me starve. Have to help me. And just what about I'm just mooching off church to church to church to church to church to church, getting all that he possibly could. One day we met him on his own ground. He wanted more money for food and everything else to pay rent and all that stuff. Said you have to do it because we said we're not going to do it this time. You have to do it. We had another proposition. He said we'll help you get back in society. We'll help you find a job. We'll help you become industrious. We'll pay for the ticket. We'll get you in. You have to help me this way. I said, no, because I want to show you what the Bible says. The man that doesn't work shouldn't eat. Another fellow just looked at me and said, you got me. At least he was honest about it. You got me. I don't know that it did any good, but he said, you got me. Absolutely. No, we're supposed to do what the Bible says to do. Not to be taken advantage of like that. Set people straight and do what we possibly can to help them. See, that person was not willing to stop what he was doing and fill his life up with something good so that he can change. Let the thief steal no more, but rather let him be industrious. Replace stealing with good, hard labor. Work for a living. And then you won't have that void in your life and you won't be tempted to go back, going back into stealing. You have a source of income, you'll put food on your table. Making an honest living with his own hands so that he may be able to give to those in need. Now notice that. You be the giver, he's saying. If that was your lifestyle before, once you've come to Christ... And you know, that's a sad scenario. Did you know that? There are those that live like that before they came to Christ. They come to Christ and they still want to live like that. No, He wants us to have transformed lives. He wants us to change our ways. No, come on now, brother. Christians can't do that. Who said Christians can't do that? 
Beloved, the new birth is nothing magical. person gets saved, it doesn't mean automatically they're going to start doing everything the right way. I mean, I mean, you say, can you prove that? Yeah, go home look in the mirror. You do everything right? I said, do you do everything right? Do you do everything right? Well, some do other things that you wouldn't do, but you do things they wouldn't do. Can you say amen? So who art thou that judgest another? Come on. Who art thou that judgest another? Oh, yeah, but you don't know what so-and-so does. Yeah, but what do you do? Come on, let's be honest. Yeah, but what I do is only this big. What they do is this big. By whose standard? By whose measures? Who said so? Let sin be called sin. And wrongdoing be called wrongdoing. Come on, say amen. Or oh my. Sin is sin. Well, I'd never do that. Well, they never do what you do either. Come on. And I guarantee before the week's out, you did it anyhow. Oh, Lord, help me. Right? Let's go to the next verse. Let no foul or polluting language or evil word or unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. Notice, put off one thing and put on another. Stop speaking out those words that are polluting, that are evil and unwholesome and worthless. Stop doing that. See, but I can't stop doing that. The reason why is because you're not putting anything good in there to speak. See, if we rid ourselves or strip ourselves of the one, it's not going to affect change in our lives because of the void that's there unless we begin to do something other. Don't speak evil. Don't use polluting language. Don't use unwholesome talk. But make sure you start speaking some good things about people. Speak some things that will edify them. Speak some things that will build them up. See, replace it. Like that one fella in that one city where he was the worst person that lived, as far as they were concerned, on the earth. And there was this other fellow who was always talking good things about people. Well, finally, this vile person died, this heathen, this vile person, no good wretch. And everybody said that he was, died. And, of course, they were all glad about it. But they waited until they went to the funeral home because they wanted to see what this fellow who always talked good about everybody, what he was going to say about that fellow. And they all were just waiting to listen to what he had to say. And after he paid his respects, he said, Boy, that fellow really has some nice teeth. I know it's comical, but you know what? It makes a point. He didn't deny the fact that he was a wretch, that he was a heathen, that he was all the... He just said he had nice teeth. He just found something good about him and spoke it out. See, we've got to stop talking about we should do that and start doing it. Put off all this unwholesome talk. Let it be far from us and put on some good speech and start edifying your brother and sister and administering grace to the hearer. 
Is what I'm saying edifying? Is what I'm saying building somebody up? See, check yourself. If you'll start doing that and get into the spiritual habit of doing that, then you know what, beloved? You will have change in your life. And I mean change for the better. You'll develop a habit where you'll be only speaking out that which is good. You'll get rid of gossip and speaking out that which is evil and things that will pollute and corrupt and all that. And you'll be blessed. And the people that hear you will also be blessed. And fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace God's favor to those who hear it. And grieve not. Or do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, verse 30, do not offend, vex, or sadden him by whom you were sealed or marked, branded as God's own, secured for the day of redemption, of final deliverance through Christ from evil and the consequences of sin. Now notice, let all bitterness, indignation, wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, resentment, anger, animosity, quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, baseness or baseness of any kind. Let that all be removed from you. Notice, strip yourselves, he's saying, of all these things. God's not going to do this by himself. Well, then what do I replace all that with? Well, verse 32 says, well, then become useful, become helpful, become kind to one another, tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, lovinghearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. So he's saying here, see, don't just rid yourself of these things and stay that way. See to it that you do something to... Put good things in you to replace all that with. And when you substitute it with the good, you'll develop a new habit. And it'll be to the point, to the place that when all these emotions rise up within you, you'll be in a position of control. You'll control what you say. You'll control what you do. You'll control what you think. And your life will be transformed. And you'll not be caught with your guard down. You'll be blessed. The people around you will be blessed. The Father will be pleased. You'll walk worthy of the Lord. Let's look at some things. First of all, we're talking about changing our behavior patterns, changing probably our attitudes, motivation, and all that. Make note of some of the things because you might say, well, what is it in my life I need to change? Beloved, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes we go about thinking that there's nothing I have to change in my life, that I'm a, I'm, I'm a pretty okay guy. Just a pretty okay person. I mean, think about it. You know, well, what, what do I have to work on? Oh, I admit I have a few faults and shortcomings and flaws and all that, but what do I have to really work on? Beloved, don't be deceived like that. I'm not trying to take away from the finished work of Christ, believe me, because all that's on the inside. But have you ever read in Philippians chapter 2 where the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Have you read in Colossians where it says, mortify your members upon, upon this earth, your body members, and put away from you all these different things? Beloved, this is a time right now that we have to be made aware of the fact that God expects us to be refined and purified and sanctified. And He wants His light to shine through our lives. He wants us to stand up for right living in Christ, which is true Christianity. 
He wants us to be transformed, changed, with our minds renewed and repaired, so that we could bring forth His power, His glory, His grace, His character, His love, His affection, His tenderness, His kindness, and all that, so the world can see Him through our lives. That's what He's wanting. He wants Christ to be formed in us so people can see Him in this realm of life through our lives. And that should be our biggest task individually in our own individual lives as far as we are concerned. Constantly experiencing change so that we can walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Make note of some of the things. Notice he's talking about anger, which is outburst, antagonism, or fury. He is talking about anxiety. Is that a problem? We can be deluded into thinking that it's okay for me to be an anxious person who always worries. A champion warrior. I worry more than anybody alive. I'm proud of it. Man, if I didn't worry, I wouldn't know what to do. I know. That's the problem. If we didn't worry, see, we wouldn't know what to do. We should know what to do so that we can replace worry with something else. So that our lives are filled up with that something else so that worry doesn't get the best of us. Anxiety, fretting, and worry. Am I one of those? Do I worry all the time about... Now, I'm not talking about... And there's a, a situation, great perplexity or whatever, and, and for a time there you're given, you know, to anxiety or worry. You know what the Word says, and once you know it, then you begin to apply the principles of God's Word in that situation. But if you do nothing about worry, if you do nothing, if I do nothing about anger, it will control our lives. It will affect us in a certain way. It will also affect others around us in a certain way where we become unattractive to them. And displeasing to our Father God. It will affect those around us because we have not controlled anger. Because we have not controlled anxiety. What else to talk about? What about quarreling? And yelling and, and all that. Make note, bitterness. Bitterness is resentfulness. Harshness. We have to deal with that. That might be the problem that you have. I don't know. I, I don't have any bitterness in me. I, it's one thing I just, just don't have. I, I refuse to get caught up in the bitterness. Wrath, which is indignation, violent anger, boiling over or boiling up. Slander, which is abusive speech. And this one I, I'm sure that we can, we can all relate to is what about having a critical, judgmental spirit? You say, oh, now, come on, that's not me. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you find fault with the way people do things around you? If you saw someone doing something and you thought to yourself, I can do that better. Or they're not doing it right. Or they should do it this way. And you're so quick to voice yourself. What are you doing? You're criticizing the way that person is doing something. Almost to the point that you're getting antsy. You want to go there and do it yourself. Would you look at people's lives and get that way also? They shouldn't be listening to that. They shouldn't be doing this. They shouldn't. And it's, it's what everybody else is doing. That's a critical eye. That's a judgmental spirit. That's something we need to be very, very careful of. What about this problem? Now, none of us is guilty of this. I realize this. Are you short with your mate? Are you critical and sarcastic with your words, 
with your children, with your mate, and maybe even with people that you associate with or work with? Do you make cutting remarks, hurtful digs, and all that intentionally just to get somebody? See, if we're guilty of those different things, we go through life thinking nothing of doing that. Especially, how many of you know that probably the most difficult place to walk in these things is right there in your own home where you live with people? Because you expect those particular people to understand you and you take the people of your family for granted and those that are your close friends, I mean those that really know you, where you wouldn't expose yourself in this way to somebody else or talk that way to somebody else, but those that are real close to you, whether it be your family, your immediate family or your, you know, your parents or, or your brothers and sisters and, and, and all that, your close you know, family, it's very easy to let down the guard and say things that you would not say. It's, it's, a, it's a known fact that we are more courteous and more conscious of the things that we say to other people and the things that we do to other people than we are to those of our own family. And you know what? The opposite should be true. Come on, say amen or oh my. I said the opposite should be true. But yet that's just the way we are, humanly speaking. It's easy to let down the guard. It's easier to make the cutting remarks. It's easier to be sarcastic. It's easier to, to say things right there because, you know, we don't have to be on our guard. We don't have to. We take these people for granted and they, they should understand us. And brother, without realizing what we are doing, we're saying some things and speaking out some things. We're using our tongue improperly, our attitudes improperly. And what we're doing, but without realizing it, is causing hurt to come to people's lives that are right there around us, that associate with us. See? And if that is a flaw that we have, then we need to recognize that and make sure that we do something about it so that we can change. We don't want our loved ones to have to tolerate these things in our lives. At least we shouldn't want to. Should we? No. If there's any place that our Christianity should shine, it should be right there where we live in our home, more so than anywhere else. If there's any place that we should be on our guard, it should be right there. Because you know why? Those are the people that we love. Those are the people that we live with every single day. Those are the people that we are most clo we're closest to every single day of our lives. We should consider those people, see, even more so. But it's a known fact that we have more consideration for associates, colleagues, and outsiders than we do for those that are among our own family. Because like I said, we think we can get away with it or let down our guard and it doesn't matter what we say. And so we don't practice our Christianity like we should, either in the home, like I said, or among our family members. Or close friends, those that, are, you know, those that you can open up to in that. Well, if those are some of the things, then the first thing you want to do after you find out some of the things or the areas where you want to experience change in your life, you've got to realize that you've got to put some things off and some things on, but ask yourself this question, why? What is the motivation for my change? Why do I want to change? Why should I experience change? And can you answer that question? First and foremost, 
so that we could become more pleasing to our Father God. Every single one of us should want to walk worthy of Him that has called us into the light. We should be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? To walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Why? First and foremost, I want to please my Father. First and foremost, I want to be pleasing to my Father. I want Him to see me change from glory to glory so He can be well pleased with the way I conduct myself here upon this earth. Shouldn't that be our heart's desire? Absolutely. To be more attractive to Him. Because He is the one that did this mighty work within us and says, now bring it out so people can see it. We should want to please Him. Also, because we want to become more attractive to those that are around us. We care about our mates. We care about our children. We care about our family members. And we want them to be pleased with our lives. We want them, of course, to see the love of God shining through our lives. And we don't want to hurt them, do we? Absolutely not. And see, if, if we'll do our part, if, if we'll recognize our need and have the right motivation and the right reasons as to why we should change and then cry out unto God, being made aware of it, it won't be very long before we'll actually experience that change in our lives. As we apply the principles of God's Word, take all the things He said take off, put all the things He said put on. And of course, also for ourselves. I mean, we should want to do it for ourselves, shouldn't we? I mean, don't you want to change for yourself also? I mean, how many times have you looked in the mirror and said, I'm dissatisfied with myself? I'm dissatisfied with where I'm at in God. Well, beloved, let's not be dissatisfied any longer. Let's not take that negative approach. Let's just say I'm looking in in the mirror of God's Word. I see some character flaws. I see some faults that I have. I see some areas of my life that definitely need change. But thank God I'm not going to get under the burden or the pressure of of condemnation and guilt and all that self-induced. I'm going to look into the Word of God and I'm going to say, Father God, here I am. I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want to be given over to, to anger and to temper that's going to cause hurt feelings in, you know, in people's lives. I don't want to be guilty of having a critical attitude and spirit that I say cutting remarks to the people that I associate with, that I work with, and hurt them without even realizing it. I don't want to be guilty of doing things like that. I don't want to be guilty of speaking that which is unwholesome, that's not ministering grace to the hear. I don't want to be guilty of that. And so, here I am, Lord. I'm giving myself to you. I'm going to put these things off so I can put these things on and in my life. And they can fill up my life. I won't be dependent upon those things anymore to express myself in that way. I can express myself in a positive and powerful way as I am divinely led by your love. And that will fill my life. That will take place of all these other things in my life. That will come out of me instead of the other. See, beloved, like I said, we're more prone to go the other way. If we don't do what God said do, it'll never happen. But if we're aware of it, then we'll change. I'm going to tell you something right now. There are a lot of marital relationships that are, that are just that. They're just there. But a lot of wives have been hurt because the husband's not committed to change. A lot of husbands haven't hurt because the wife's not committed to change. And the same thing with the children also. No, no one's ready to give an inch. And if people are not willing and ready to give an inch... To do what is necessary to, to experience peace and harmony within the home. Beloved, we can preach till Jesus comes. It will never happen. Things will not happen without cooperation from people. Did you know that? And that includes every one of us. 
Every single one of us. Now, come on. How many, would you rather just hear about prosperity, how you can get healed? Or would you rather hear about some things that are definitely going to be internal? These things are going to pass away as far as prosperity. Your physical body is not going to need healed someday. And did you know that? You're not going to need any money someday. But you're going to live on forever and ever. And these things will affect our eternity. And that's why it's so important that we, you know, set our focus right and begin to realize that God wants us changed, beloved, from glory to glory. Well, here we see some things listed and stated that we've got to put in our lives to replace some of these other things. But is that automatic also? No. That's why I keep saying without pain, there's no gain. If you're given to anger, you're going to find yourself in certain situations and in, 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 in circumstances where on the inside, you're going to begin to, to boil over. You're going to find out that you, at that moment of, of rage, that you're going to want to lash out and say some things that you sh shouldn't say. You've never been there before. Have you ever been there before? Come on now, be honest. Have you ever been there before? And it's just like you are doing everything to hold this thing within you and to control it and to prevent it from dominating your life so as not to say those things because they're hurtful. But as I said, in a, in, a, in a family relationship within the home and among those that are our close associates, we're not as prone to, to, to control that and just blurt out and say some things that we should not be saying. Not realizing that anger is controlling our lives and what, what it's doing right now is causing hurt and heartache and pain, cutting remarks. And putting up walls between people and all that. Well, if that's the situation, if that's the problem, then what am I to do? Well, the Bible tells us exactly what to do. You can be angry, it says, but sin not. You know whose responsibility it is to learn how to be angry and sin not? It's not God's. Whose is it? It's ours. Anger is a healthy emotion. But we're not, it's not to be released in sin. We're supposed to do what God said do. Don't let the sun go down upon our wrath. Don't fence in that anger until you get, it gets to the boiling point that you explode with anger and anger is controlling our lives. We're not to do that. We're supposed to approach it in a positive way and take the necessary measures and steps to see to it that we have control over anger. And anger is not controlling us. So follow the steps. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. See to it that whatever it is that you keep pent up on the inside of you that's causing you to boil over with anger, see to it that you deal with it in a positive way. You say, well, how do I do that? First of all, you better get on your knees and start praying. I know that for sure. When you find that rising up on the inside of you and you know you're about to explode right there, the thing to do is to go find yourself a corner somewhere and pray. Sometimes you can just go start doing something. I don't know about you, but if I find myself getting to a point that you want to boil over with anger, I like to go and jog. I like to go cut the grass. I like to go and do something and not respond to that at that particular moment. Do something so as to act a certain way so that you're not going to be controlled by that. And then begin to think things through and meditate upon the Word of God and do something positive so as to replace that with something positive. And you're not going to be controlled by that, but you're going to be controlled by a tender-hearted, loving, kind spirit. Now, there are other things, too. Bitterness is one thing. Envy is another thing. And wrath is another thing. And slander is another thing. If we find ourselves being an individual who, who as I said, is just, just speaking out, not controlling our tongue, and, and without realizing it, saying all kinds of hurtful things or things that are not wholesome, things that are not positive about people, then what are we going to do? Well, I'm telling you right now, 
Someone call you on the phone and you're that kind of a person and they start talking. You know how easy it is to continue in the conversation where you're talking about someone and their life and just keep on rambling and rambling and going on? If we are not consciously aware of the fact that that is displeasing to God, it will go on and on and on and on and we won't do anything about it. Did you know that? At all. It's only when we wake up and begin to realize that this is displeasing to God. He does not appreciate what we are doing. We are not to neglect or disregard the Word of God. We're supposed to find out that that is not wholesome. It is not edifying. It's not building somebody up. It is tearing somebody down. It is probably contributing to that person's problem. We're not helping that person at all. Let's realize the need... Let's see, let's wake up and realize, let's replace that with something else. Now, you ready for this? The reason why, for the most part, many will not do anything about that is because they don't replace it with prayer and wholesome speech about people. Why don't you take that same person that you're talking about and start pointing out some of that person's good qualities and, and, and characteristics instead of all the negative? And if you'll focus in on that and say that, speak that, Fourth, see, replace it with something good. It will not be very long before you'll find yourself getting into a particular habit, a new habit. And what is that? Believing the best about every person. Speaking that which is wholesome, that which is edifying, that which is going to minister grace to the hearer, and not that which is going to grieve the Holy Spirit and tear my brother and sister down. Now, if we don't do anything about it, beloved, we are not going to grow. We're not going to change. And we're not going to develop a new habit. But if we'll do something about that and replace negative talk, unwholesome talk, with wholesome and positive talk and speech, then it will not be very long that we'll break the one habit and develop a brand new one. See, but you just can't leave the void there. You can't leave the emptiness there. You've got to do something about it. You've got to replace it with something else. Now, we can go through all these different things, but we're not going to have time to do that. What I want us really to do here... Tonight is just to be honest with ourselves. I want us all to take spiritual inventory. The Bible talks about every so often we should all take spiritual inventory. We should all search our own hearts. We should all determine whether or not we're really in the faith. We should all determine if we're walking worthy of the Lord and all pleasing. If we're growing in God. If we're changing from glory to glory. He, the Bible says, examine your own heart, examine your own life, examine yourself, find out. It, it, it should, it, at least once a year, I mean, my goodness, we should say at least that often, we should determine, are we any further in God today than we were a year ago? It's a brand new year. Am I making strides? Am I climbing the heights? Am I gaining in God? Am I growing in God, making spiritual advances in Him? Do I have better control over my speech, my language today? Do I have better control over my anger today? Bitterness and all these different things, an unforgiving spirit? Am I putting on these good things? Am I becoming more useful in verse 32? Am I becoming more helpful? Am I becoming more kind to people? Am I becoming more tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted? Am I more forgiving today? Or is the opposite true? Now that I'm... Fifteen years in the Lord, I find myself now becoming more irritable. I find myself now letting down my guard more than ever before. I am now more controlled by anger than I have ever been in my life. You see what I'm saying? We need to do inventory 
examine our hearts, examine our lives. Am I now more readily to speak evil about somebody than I was five years ago? Am I now not concerned as much about what I say as I was five years ago? Well, if that's the case, beloved, then we've got to make a turnaround, don't we? No matter who we are. Come on, beloved. I know this is not exciting. I know this is not popular. But I'm telling you, it is beneficial. It may hurt for the moment. It's going to produce great gain in the lives of those that will hearken to what God is saying to us tonight. And I mean that. I believe in, you know, in, in humor. I believe that God has a sense of humor. But these things just don't have to be all that humorous tonight. And some of these things that are written for us are really not intended to be humorous. They're intended to be serious. I know sometimes I get, you know, get accused of being a little bit too serious. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather be too serious than God. I would rather be too serious than God. I'd rather stay on that side of the fence than on the other side. You know, the, the day in which we live, the spirit of this age, it produces a lightness in our thinking. And, and a laziness in our thinking. That it's okay, I'm saved, washing the blood, my own way to heaven, and that's all there is to it. That's not all there is to it. There is a process of working out our own salvation. And I'm telling you, that's why we are to exhort one another to charity and to good works. We are to get a hold of people by the shoulders and say, come on, we can do it. We can change. We can look more Christ-like. We can walk more in the love of God. Let's walk in the love of God. Let's talk good things about people. Let's speak good things about people. Let's uphold people. Let's pray for people. Let's walk in this divine love of God and show that it can happen. We can be changed from glory to glory. Father, do you believe that or is this a fairy tale? I believe it. I believe lives can be transformed. I believe lives can be changed. But it requires diligence on the part of the believer. It requires a cry out of the depth of the person's being. It requires an act of humility. Here I am, Lord. I am open for your change. And you know what? Just be prepared because it's going to be painful. I mean, every time you discipline your children, do you think they put a smile on their face? I'm just so happy you did that, Mom, Dad. You can't go out for a week. Give me the keys to the car. Friend calls up and says, tomorrow night we're going to the game. You coming? No, can't go. You think that they're joyful about that? No, there's pain involved there. But what's the purpose of it is to teach a lesson. It's to illustrate, to show that, look, things have to be done right. And it's the same thing with us in the spiritual realm. There's going to be a pain because we're not going to want to hear some of the things the Lord has to say to us. But He's going to say them. I want you to put this aside. I want you to stop this. I want you to start this. But, beloved, if, if you're a willing vessel, if you're wanting to stand up, and be counted among those that want to grow in God, you'll be open to it. And I'm telling you, you may go through some trying times where you actually are humiliated. But I guarantee you, you'll go through the fire of test and trial and temptation. And you know what happened? You'll come out refined and purified. Your faith that's being tried to be like, just looks like gold that's been, in silver that's been refined. Your life's going to be a whole lot better off because of it. Like I said, we've gone through a time where all we wanted was our ears to be tickled. All we wanted is to hear about all the, you know, all the blessings and all the benefits that God has provided us with. And I thank God for everyone. I've not changed my opinion. I've not changed my attitude. As far as I'm concerned, bless the Lord, all my soul, all that's within me. Bless His holy name for every benefit 
But thank God there's another part to the gospel that says, look, it's time to wake up. It's time to grow up. It's time to develop. It's time to crowd to the Lord individually and say, I want change in my life. It's time to make right decisions. It's time for believers to get their, their act together, to get their things together in their lives, in their thoughts, in their thinking, and just rise up. Rise up in God. Rise up in God and put on those things He's talking about. Let's put on bowels of mercy and compassion. Let's put on a wholesome tongue, which is a tree of life. Let's, let's put off anger. Let's put off strife. Let's put off debate. Let's put off wrath and all these different things. And let's do what he said do. Let's be loving and kind-hearted and tender and speak wholesome words. Let that be a reality to us in this realm of life in which we live. We'll be more attractive to God and to one another. And you know what? There'll be great rewards for you in glory. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.